Welcome to Zero Knowledge. I'm your host, Anna Rose. In this podcast, we will be exploring the latest in zero knowledge research and the decentralized web, as well as new paradigms that promise to change the way we interact and transact online. This week, I dive into the topic of funding in the ZK space. I chat with a number of different groups who are funding zero-knowledge technology in different ways. I kick off with a conversation with my colleague Susanna from the Zero Knowledge Validator and Gub Sheep from Zero X Park, all about the Gitcoin side round that we are leading focused on ZK Tech. Then I chat with Arjun from Polygon, all about their massive commitment to put $1 billion into ZK through investments, acquisitions, and grants. Following this, I catch up with Alex Pruden from Alio to talk about ZPrize, an industry-wide effort to accelerate zero-knowledge technology. And lastly, I chat with Alistair from the Web3 Foundation about a newly announced ZK component of the Polkadot Pioneers Prize. Now, there have been so many new zero-knowledge funding mechanisms, funds, DAOs, initiatives. I could not capture them all in this particular episode, but still, I hope you enjoy this look into ZK funding. I do want to highlight the first portion of this episode focused on Gitcoin, and I want to just let you know that if you're looking to get funding for your project, be sure to actually add your grant to this round. I believe it starts today as this episode lands. So if you haven't yet submitted your grant, do it as soon as you can to be included in this round of CLR matching. We've added the link in the show notes if you want to submit your grant. Just remember to use the tag ZKTech to be eligible for the $275,000 in matching funds that we've put together for this one. Also, if you're looking to fund this kind of tech yourself, be sure to check out the grants that are available and donate today. One more thing I want to highlight is that this coming week, we're going to be hosting a ZK Jobs Fair. If you're looking for a new opportunity, you want to jump into the space, be sure to sign up. We're going to add the link in the show notes. This is part of the ZK Hack event, which is ongoing right now. It's sort of our wrap-up party for the ZK Hack, as well as a ZK Jobs Fair. So do check it out. Now I want to pass the mic to Tanya, who's going to tell us a little bit more about this week's sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Penumbra. Every market is also a market of information. That's why Penumbra believes privacy is the next frontier of DeFi. Penumbra is a cross-chain shielded pool and decentralized exchange, allowing users to shield assets from any Cosmos chain and privately transact, stake, swap, and market make without revealing your personal information or trading strategies to the world. Penumbra Labs is also building in public, so visit penumbra.zone to learn more, use their testnets, and join their Discord. Check it out. That's penumbra.zone. So thanks again, Penumbra. Now here's Anna's interviews on ZK Funding. So in this episode, I'll be talking to a number of different groups who are working to fund zero-knowledge tech. And I wanted to start this show off with two specific projects, that's Gitcoin Side Rounds and Zero X Park. I'm here with Gubsheep from Zero X Park. Hi. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. As well as Susanna, who I work with at the Zero Knowledge Validator. Hey, Susanna. Hey, Anna. So I want to quickly introduce you both to our audience. Actually, Gubsheep, you've already been on the show uh, talking about Dark Forest, but do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're working on, what you're doing? Sure. Um, so these days, I'm thinking a lot about uh, a combination of things, mostly in the applied zero-knowledge space. Um, so I'm still tangentially involved with some of Zero X Park's 
crypto native gaming efforts, including Dark Forest. But apart from that, we are basically working on trying to understand what it's really going to take to productionalize the next generation of zero knowledge applications uh, on blockchain or otherwise. And apart from that, we do a lot of uh, grant giving, educational work, community development sort of work. So all of these kinds of nuts and bolts that are involved in putting together what we're seeing as as hopefully a nascent ecosystem of applied ZK projects. Very cool. And Susanna, why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, so I've been at Zero Knowledge Validator since May last year. Which, by the way, is almost a year. Yeah, it is almost a year now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so at Zero Knowledge Validator, we validate on eight different networks. But the whole purpose behind the validator is to kind of further zero knowledge and privacy in the blockchain space. So through validating, we then want to support all of the networks that we're active on. And we do this through a number of things such as events, kind of funding like this, so direct investments and also grants. And then we have like a number of other little kind of initiatives that are ongoing as well. And what I do there is, uh, I guess I do a lot of kind of operational tasks. Um, it's been a lot of different roles, I guess, because uh, we, we're quite a small organization. We're now growing. Um, we've brought some more people on, which helps a lot. Totally. Susanna, I want to start us off actually talking a little bit about the Gitcoin side round that we were doing. And this, I would say, like, it falls well within the purview of Zero Knowledge Validator, which is to, like, support and grow Zero Knowledge tech across the networks that we validate on, but also generally. And one of the things we had wanted to do for a long while was find a way to, like, give out grants. But grant giving is like a lot harder than it seems sometimes. Like you actually you have to like get applications and decide which what your criteria is and go through that process. And since we're such a small team, we were like sort of struggling to think of how to do that. But then I had a conversation with Scott from Gitcoin in New York during that mainnet week. And we had this conversation about potentially launching the ZK side round as part of the Gitcoin CLR matching round. And any longstanding listener to the show has heard about this because the podcast has a grant and like ZK Hack has a grant. So I've been doing this as a grantee for a long time. But yeah, with Scott, we started talking about it as being a grant giver. And Susanna, as like, I feel like you are also often in charge of all the special projects. I brought you in on this one. And yeah, we sort of started to put together the Gitcoin CK side round one. And that was last time that was uh, running, I think, what was it like December 1st through 16th or something, 2021? Yeah, it was the first two weeks of December. And I mean, I think Gitcoin really aligned with the aims of CK Validator because as I previously mentioned, like we are such a small team that resource constraint is just such a big thing. And I think, I mean, that's pretty much universal across a lot of businesses, but you know, <laughs> when you have an idea to do something, then obviously you have to actually execute. And given that kind of the whole process of managing grants end to end, I think the collaboration with Gitcoin helps take away some of that pressure on the small team that we are having to do everything ourselves. So that partnership kind of perfectly aligned, like we wanted to be able to give back to zero knowledge projects, but we couldn't necessarily manage the whole thing end to end on our own. So it just worked perfectly. Mm. 
Also, I mean, one of the cool things about Gitcoin is that it's voting by the crowd. Like what we provided with the ZK side round was very much a matching pool, but like the actual votes, like voting on who gets what amount of funding is done through. And actually, Susanna, I think you have the numbers here, but it's like it's thousands of people making small donations to thousands of projects that then results in like kind of a crowdsourced what would we call it? Like distribution. Like you then know what is a very popular project. You know, if they got a lot of small donations from a lot of different people, clearly there's like some groundswell, some sort of public interest that has really like led to that project being successful. And even if the the final number isn't that high because of quadratic voting, their matching rewards could be very high. But yeah, Susanna, do you want to share maybe a little bit about the last round and like what the numbers looked like? Yeah. So for round it was relatively really popular as well it got the most contributions out of all the side rounds so we had 53,000 total contributions and that added up to over $300,000 and our matching pool was $100,000 so like the donations from the general public actually amounted to way more than our matching pool which is really encouraging it just shows that the round was really popular and has like a lot of appetite to actually be funding zero knowledge projects. Yeah, I think the whole quadratic funding mechanism really kind of emphasizes what people are interested in outside of just our specific interests. And I mean, with a traditional kind of grant giving setup, at least like from an academic perspective, it's like you have some kind of um, governing body which would make decisions on what's going to be given funding or not. And this just completely distributes that to the people who are actually kind of interested in zero knowledge generally. And they don't have to be like an expert to take an interest. And then that also encourages some element of the grants, the the project setting up their grants so that they are trying to attract people to donate and to demonstrate why their project is actually useful. Um, Mm. Not just to like an expert audience, but to also make it more general, I think. Totally. I want to bring Gubsheep a little bit into this conversation because as we started this round and Zero X Park was one of the matching partners, but as we started it, we realized that Gitcoin grantees, there just weren't that many zero knowledge projects. So all of a sudden we had like amassed a great matching pool, but we're kind of like, oh no, who are we funding? And that's where we, you know, Gavshid, I was sending you like texts being like, oh man, you work in application. Can you help us out? So this was where I feel like sort of a collaboration between the two groups sort of started. Do you want to just share with us a little bit about how it was on the receiving end of that? For sure. Yeah, I think maybe one of the challenges, and I can't speak to other Gitcoin side rounds, but it would make sense to me if this was the case. One of the challenges whenever you're opening up any new grants program being be it on Gitcoin uh, or anywhere else, is that there's two sides to this interaction. There's uh, you know the funds themselves, but then there's also the grantees. And I think that a lot of teams in the blockchain space are actually struggling with a similar problem where you end up with these, you know, you raise these like very large sums of money, oftentimes like much larger than what we're seeing on Gitcoin or uh, platforms that are built for general purpose public goods funding. But then you have to go out and figure out like, well, where are we actually going to put these funds? How do we how do we put them to good use? So on our end, based on 
our work with Dark Forest and a couple of other applied ZK communities and ecosystems, um, we were able to jump in and find a handful of teams and projects to put on the receiving end of these funds. You know, and I, I think like the the goal here with doing that is to encourage potential grantees as well in the zero knowledge space that this is something that is a legitimate way to receive funds. Um, it's a way to uh, you know make your project more visible to the community as well. So hopefully these efforts only continue to snowball as we uh, kick off another ZK round and hopefully future ZK rounds as well. Totally. And this was kind of cool. As as the Gitcoin ZK side round had started, we were actually able to bring in a number of grantees. So new grants were created during that period. And by the end, I think we had 19. So we started with just a handful, but by the end, we had kind of like onboarded new grantees into the Gitcoin space. And that meant like just getting them thinking about how to propose a grant, what kind of projects they're building, how to express that to a crowd. And so I felt like, I mean, at the end of this first round, despite it being our first and, you know, us learning a lot as we went, it turned out quite nicely. As you just said, Susanna, like it got a lot of the, for for a side round, it did very well. Yeah. It, I mean, compared to the other side rounds, we had the highest number of contributions. So that's not like individual donations, but the single contributions given to each project. So it basically means that the projects within the round were really popular. And then some of the projects were so popular that they maxed out the caps on the main round and also were in like the global top 10 of all the projects. I think there were two projects featured in our side round, which received the largest donations in terms of amount that the projects received, which is really encouraging that these projects are so popular and using zero knowledge technology. So it's really cool to be doing this interview right now because actually the Gitcoin grant round 13 is starting, I think like any, it could be the day that this is released or just around that time. And this time around, we are once again doing a ZK Tech side round. But this time, it's actually a full collaboration between the Zero Knowledge Validator and Xerox Park. And so I thought maybe we could take a moment to share with people what we have planned for this one, kind of how well it's doing so far. And, and also, yeah, maybe we can even like help people who have projects better understand how they could potentially get involved. So, yeah, I don't know, if, Gubsheep, if you want to share a little bit on that front. For sure. So this upcoming grants round, we've put together a matching pool that's, you know, about two or three X the size of the previous one. We're seeing um, partners like Ethereum Foundation, uh, Scroll.Tech, Polygon, a number of roll-up teams, a number of uh, ZK companies. Um, I don't have them all off the top of my head here, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, but you can check them out in some of the blog posts that ZK Validator and Zero X Park will be releasing on the round. Um, so it's a really exciting crew of matching partners that are helping to bring together more attention for this kind of funding. Um, and, you know, one thing that I really think about with this round is I'm excited to try to use it as, again, a springboard to legitimize the idea of public goods funding for teams working on zero knowledge technology. Um, some of these teams, for example, I think come from perhaps more quote unquote, traditional backgrounds and a lot of crypto native projects might. So for example, you know, teams of researchers from the academic world um, who might be a little bit further removed from 
crypto, referring to cryptocurrency, but who are working on crypto as in cryptography. So being able to direct more funding to, to groups like these, I think would be really fantastic and could open up in the longer term uh, more support from the crypto community for this kind of basic research. Mm-hmm. Another area of focus that I'm really excited about is I think that a lot of the attention and a lot of the funding in the space is going towards companies working on ZK rollups, which you know all of us here on the podcast today are super excited about as a scaling solution for blockchains. But there's this whole other area that I think is currently underappreciated, which is the area of ZK applications. So this means things like Tornado Cash or like Dark Forest, uh, decentralized applications which are enabled by zero-knowledge technology that would not be possible otherwise. Mm. And focusing in on these sorts of use cases, I hope can shift more attention into the space of ZK applications that are not necessarily rollups, because I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of activity in, in that domain over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I also think, I mean, on that front, I think there's also like some fundamental tooling that it sort of gets, it, it might be funded through the sort of focus on some of the rollup tech, but those types of tools that are more privacy focused, for example, or more focused on like games, those kinds of like tools, structures, frameworks, things that won't necessarily be used by this by the rollup companies and projects. Yeah, I think this is a great way for us to start bootstrapping those. And they may become equally profitable down the line. It's just that like right now, the focus has been very much on scaling. I just want to sort of pass this to Susanna, because I know you actually have the numbers and data of this round. We should probably mention the matching partners. Do you want to just share with us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So right now, our matching pool is $265,000. This could go up, but this is the minimum amount that we're going to have to distribute so far. And this is coming from 11 matching partners. So 0x Park, us, Zero Knowledge Validator, Anoma, Polygon, Aztec, Alio, Penumbra, Scroll, Gnosis, the Ethereum Foundation, and Geometry. And this is such a good group. This is like such a great group of CK teams. Um, okay, I, I think we've shared a lot on the ZK side round. I mean, if anyone wants to find it, they have to head over to the Gitcoin Grants page. There should be a big banner of some sort that says ZK Tech side round. If anyone wants to donate and wants to sort of see this thing in action, it should be live now while this is airing. So yeah, I definitely want to encourage people to check it out. And I do want to use a little bit of time now to talk a little bit more about Zero X Park's funding activity, because I know that actually goes past what just Gitcoin. And since I have you on Gubsheep, I wanted to, uh, yeah, I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. P.S. Like, I will be inviting you back for a full episode to talk more about like all of the application ideas. But yeah, if you could share a little bit more about the kind of activity you're doing. Also, since this is the ZK funding episode, like maybe there's people out there who are looking for uh, yeah, new, new ways to get funding for their project. For sure. Um, so maybe first a little bit on Xerox Park itself. Uh, we are a new organization that has spun up with uh, in the last six months with the mandate to support application level R&D on Ethereum and other decentralized platforms. So we're fully funded by donations and grants, and we work on a number of different areas, including crypto native gaming, 
with projects like Dark Forest and other projects that are soon to be announced that you should keep an eye out for, um, as well as a lot of focus on applied ZK tech as well. Um, so a lot of our work is done through grant giving. And we think about grant giving as particularly important in the crypto space because we're seeing simultaneously a lot of work on both new technologies, but also new organizational models. So new models for funding projects, new models for building and new models for coordinating different teams. It's not always the case that the right vehicle for something to be built in the crypto space is something that looks like a traditional company or business. Or for example, if you live in the US and you're in the startup scene, the you know equity funded VC backed Delaware C Corp. Instead, what we're seeing is that a lot of this work is being done open source, which raises questions about how do you ensure that um, this kind of work, which is very valuable, is properly able to be self-sustaining. But another feature that we see of the space is that projects are so much more interdependent, I think, than you'll see in a lot of software. So for example, you'll have people across all different levels of the stack closely collaborating as standards evolve, as tooling evolves, as we learn more about the best application design patterns. Um, and because of that, a lot of teams don't necessarily want to make a commitment to, for example, um, starting a startup or a particular type of org right off the bat. Um, I think that this is also a feature of being in software R&D. Um, not every experiment is necessarily going to pan out into something that looks like a commercializable product. And you want to make space for projects that aren't necessarily going to look like that as well. So the idea here is that grant giving is something that allows teams to keep options open and be free from maybe a lot of the more typical constraints around, you know, what kinds of software projects might be traditionally considered viable. And instead to be able to work on things like open source software that doesn't necessarily have a viable business model off the bat, that's immediately apparent. Um, and I think that creating this space might also allow us to see, you know, innovation on the organizational side, how are teams eventually going to decide to package these projects or coordinate amongst themselves? That is the sort of experimentation that we want to be encouraging as well. Very cool. How can people find out more? Like, are you doing sort of application-based grant giving or are you like, how do people interact with what you have set up? Right. So a lot of our more public facing activities you can find on the Zero X Park blog. So if you just go to zeroxpark.org slash blog, that's where we're posting about things like uh, we run educational programs. And uh, I think in the next couple of weeks, actually, we're going to announce our Applied ZK Learning Group number two. And you can take a look. There will be an interest form, which you can fill out if you're interested in joining the group. A lot of our outputs, we also post publicly on Twitter and on our blog. So folks can take a look. We've had folks, for example, like one of our recent releases, um, you know, it was a community project that was building off of our CIRCOM ECDSA implementation. We posted a Twitter thread about and shared a, a technical explainer on, and someone actually came back to us with both, you know, a handful of like improvements as well as a disclosure of a vulnerability in the existing prototype. So <laughs> that was really fun. Um, being able to just cool. publicly engage with folks by building out in the open, I think, uh, is is really, really valuable. So, you know, check us out on Twitter, check out our blog. That's usually how we keep the community updated on what our projects are up to. And you can always reach out as well over email at hello at zeroxpark.org. Cool. All right. 
Thank you so much, Gumshi, for sharing with us a little bit more about Zero X Park. Thank you, Susanna, for coming on the show. And thank you to both of you for, you know, exploring this Gitcoin and funding generally. Awesome. Thanks so much, Anna. Thanks, Anna. So next up, I'm here with Arjun Kalsi, who's the head of growth and business development at Polygon. Welcome, Arjun. Hey, hey, Anna. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Arjun, we've spoken with a bunch of Polygon people recently. There was an episode with Mihailo where we talked about sort of the push that Polygon is taking into ZK Tech, but I felt like it was important to include you on this episode since you have put up quite a bit of funding for Zero Knowledge Technologies, and that's what we're going to talk about here. So maybe you can share with us, like, as far as I know, I mean, at least for, to the public, the first time we heard about this was a blog post last summer where there was this commitment made to fund ZK Tech. Tell us a little bit about, like, what was the thinking around it? Sure, sure, definitely. So actually, it's it's interesting now that I talk about it that that the genesis of this idea actually started. Uh, I remember way back in October or November of 2020. Oh, that's when we first started discussing this. So I remember I was talking to Sandeep, and he was thinking about this, right? So at the time, uh, to take a step back, right, when Polygon was first founded, when it was called Matic Network, this was in 2017, right? So the prevailing sort of, you could say, thinking around Ethereum scalability was around using Plasma technology, mm-hmm. right? And in 2017, um, Vitalik had written a paper on Plasma and you know, how you could potentially use like another chain and offset, right? You know, some of these, and, and then sort of use like this checkpointing mechanism to solve for security. And so, so that is kind of what had prompted us to create our architecture, which was like a hybrid proof of stake uh, plasma approach where, you know, you not only have security on, on the chain, on the proof of stake chain, but then you also like, you could say, inherit some security from Ethereum, right? Mm-hmm. But, but again, it's important to understand that this was the prevailing thinking then, right? So you fast forward to 2020 and, and the discussions all around rollups, yeah. right? And, and Vitalik had talked again a lot about rollups and, and, and of course, you know, the march of technology is constant, right? So we knew that there would be something new on the horizon. So we were like, okay, rollups. So, you know, this, this prompted us to now think about like a couple of things, right? So number one, that what does scalability look like in the future? Um, and uh, how should we go about solving it? Like where should we put our investment uh, or rather in which basket should we put our eggs, et cetera. So a couple of like interesting, you know, viewpoints came out of these discussions, right? So number one, we realized that the future of Ethereum scaling is also multi-chain, mm-hmm. right? So this was like the most important thing which prompted us to go from Matic Network to Polygon when we realized that the approach we need to take towards Ethereum scaling has to be multi-chain. The other most important discussion was that where should we hedge our bets? Should we do optimistic yeah. rollups or should we do ZK rollups? Right? I was about to no. say right then that was the conversation. The, the feeling right. was optimistic rollup was going to come out sooner yes. and be potentially like EVM compatible faster. Yes. Whereas the ZK rollup was still a little bit of an unknown. No, definitely. Definitely. So there were very few teams working on it. There was very little uh, information about uh, sort of out there about, you know, uh, what are the different ways you could solve it. There was hardly any, like even today, you know, I, I would, you could literally, maybe the total number of researchers in the world who really are working on sort of the core ZK tech is possibly less than 50 in my opinion. 15? Oh, I think it's five zero. Than... I think it's well, five zero. Fifty. Yeah, I would put it closer to like 300. Really? Yeah, given okay, okay. given the know, community. So. But anyway. Okay, maybe, maybe I need to do more research. I know you, you are like more up to date on this than I am. So, so anyway, like, again, it. when I when I was like looking at all of this, I kind of realized that, man, there is like, 
not not much out there and uh, and then again you know optimism uh, had you know sort of started talking about how they were going to solve it arbitrum was talking about how they were going to solve it we had decided to be multi chain so we said okay you know at some level we'll have to look at both the solutions but we will also need to pick like a clear winner where this is what we feel is going to be the future and essentially this is kind of where you know we started to make this decision when we really started thinking about what would be the future of scalability right and when you have to make these kind of decisions you need to work backwards rather than trying to project right so what is working backwards mean so we went back to why did we create polygon or like matic network like why did we why are we doing all of this like the only reason why we are doing all of this is to solve for mass adoption of blockchain technology like that is the problem statement we are trying to solve so now the next question is what does mass adoption mean right so mass adoption can be defined in in many ways but the like the closest analogy you can take that or is that of like, let's say you know mobile phones or smartphones right which are so widely adopted in the world right so if you look at android if you look at ios like over a billion people you know in in the world use use android right this is not counting all the other like you know let's say let's dumb devices like all of your connected tvs and fridges and all of that right a billion people use this so how do you solve for scalability for a billion users mm-hmm. right now you start working backwards from that right from that problem statement and when you start working backwards from there you kind of realize that optimistic rollups to an extent are not going to cut it unless you know optimistic rollups by itself you know again morphs into something else etc but but in its in, in the form in which even it is where it is today and possibly even in the next maybe couple of years like we i, I don't see how it could scale to a billion users but zk mm. rollups could mm. the problem is there were a lot of things which had to be solved along the way yeah right so so it is like you have to go from horse car to race car but you need to solve like internal combustion engine etc like you need to solve like a bunch of things and you're like man like i like and and of course we have to ask ourselves can this be solved so this was in 2020 when you were kind of like maybe starting to think about it but at some point 2021 i guess you made the bet so what changed at that moment like why did you think now let's start funding zk i i think a couple of interesting things were there right so, so there were some optimistic roll up solutions already which are going live right like like arbitrum is going live optimism we could see and and we looked at all of the code etc what the community is working at and you know working on etc and we kind of started to like really try to see what the actual implementation might look like what how scalable it might be and and on based on our research we realized that this is like definitely more scalable than ethereum and it's not not altogether bad but this is not mass scalability right and if you want to solve mass scalability then this is the way forward okay and the question is that are we going to do something which is are we going to stick to something which is you know safe and which works etc or are we going to go out there and take a shot in the dark cool right this is this is basically what the decision ultimately is you can argue for hours of hours about you know what is better what is not and you know all like all the things but ultimately this was basically the decision are we going to go with something which you know you know kind of works and which you can work on or are you willing to take that big bet that mm-hmm. big gamble which could solve scalability for a billion users and we chose option 2 we said do you know what we are not those kind of guys we we will take the gamble and we will do what it takes and whatever money is required so be it let's talk about that money let's talk about the funding what is sort of the offer and where does it come from exactly is it from the polygon network a foundation like tell it's us a bit foundation. about that okay it's from it's from the foundation so essentially so so this is also interesting right so if you start to like deconstruct what what happened that the word acquisition actually makes no sense in in the web3 world right because you can't really acquire anything like you can't really acquire polygon because the code is free I and mean, you can create your own polygon tomorrow if you if you so like you know it's it's open source so what does acquisition mean so what we kind of realized that ultimately in this space what we really need to do is we need to convince teams to work with us 
right we need to convince teams that listen you working on like you know top tier zk technology but if you work with us right and be a part of let's say the polygon multi chain ecosystem then we can bring you know our resources to bear and then combined we can you know sort of solve this problem like this is essentially it it's a conversation it's not really some business deal which is in some boardroom you know mm-hmm. and people are this is really not how it happened this is honestly a conversation where we try where we first made a list of all the top tier zk teams in the world then we started talking to them one by one and and here again you know sandeep who had written basically the first white paper of of polygon and mihailo who had now come on board etc were the you know top two people who were looking at like this along with you know jd kanani anurag etc who also are you know super technical guys and understand this really well so we evaluated each and every team and this was the conversation that guys like you are doing this right and once you do this you have to build a chain then you have to build the ecosystem etc we are already great ecosystem builders mm-hmm. right and we already have a really large fast growing ecosystem and if you work with us then you can focus on solving like this unsolved problem while we can focus on all everything else so combined our power uh, or rather combined we sort of mutually are complementing each other's strengths so you as a research team us as like you know somebody who's great at execution this was the conversation and all of the funding etc was really just you could say incentives or rather acquisition of the team itself these were really acquire hires as one might say yeah. versus really trying to do an acquisition because like i said in web3 you can't do that you can just you know add best make your case and try to you know convince people that together working along with us like th- we would achieve the mutual objective mm-hmm. and the advantage was that because we had also substantially grown we had like a treasury etc and we realized that you know these problems are already getting solved but if we could throw more resources at them that they would get solved faster right so anything which might be like a 2025 solution we could do it in 23 and and that was really the other aspect where you know having access to like resources which we had at polygon we could really make this a new reality and of course there were some other factors which were also extremely important which is the fact that we are very ethereum aligned you know to the philosophy of ethereum and rather to ethereum's philosophy of subtraction which is that the true way to scale is not by controlling systems it's by really decentralizing them and we have a very clear path on decentralization so i think when the other teams saw our like you know what we've achieved and what our philosophy is at at its core they were like okay let's work with them because they are not the kind to boss around people we'll still have our freedom right they we will do whatever we want and we'll have access to resources now and we can go about solving that problem which we really want to solve so yeah tell me a little bit about the pool of funding though like how much did you dedicate what what is and and maybe tell us like how how much is left and what's that for so yeah give us a bit of a sense for this funding that you set set forth for zk got it got it so uh, number one we didn't go with this approach that we will spend this much on acquiring the teams like we spoke to the teams first and we kind of got an idea that this is what it would take so it was uh-huh. like again working backwards versus saying that this is our budget let's see what we can get you know try and optimize our budget no like that's not how you solve unsolved problems right so we went to talk to the teams we tried to see what is the best we could offer that you know what would be the best offer and from that perspective and also like you know did other calculations on you know what kind of teams would have to be built what would be the projected burn rate etc all of that and we just kind of decided on a number and this was that number now in terms of the funding left what, i would what say what was the number though no so this was the number right we decided we oh. would need at least a billion dollars a billion dollars exactly yeah, and that's what at least a billion dollars wow right? yeah okay. at least a billion dollars to you know get <laughs> all the teams on long and it might take more and and to the point where how much is left etc like i told you there's no budget here if you have to spend another billion dollars we'll do it Cool. Like for us, what is required is that we have to have to solve this problem, right? Like this, it, because if you solve this problem, then you have solved mass adoption, right? Yeah. The, the whole reason why we are doing all of this, the 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 dream will be realized, and and you know for that, there is no budget. Like 
whatever it takes. So that's the kind of mindset we, we go with there. But you had sort of set out originally, like at least in the summer, what we saw was like a billion dollars is going to go towards CK Tech. And mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, that is sort of this acquiring, but not exactly because you are also kind of adding more into the research and stuff like yes. that. Yes, grow the research team, structure, yeah. What else are you also looking like? And actually, wait, before we go mm-hmm. into the future and like what mm-hmm. else you have maybe planned, but I wanted to ask you, are you only looking at ZK solutions for scaling? Because ZK obviously has more characteristics potentially. So for us, the long-term bet is definitely ZK, but it's not as if we're not looking at optimistic rollout technologies. Interestingly, the blockchain which we are building with Ernst & Young, the Nightfall implementation is an optimistic rollup. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's an optimistic rollup which uses some ZK sort of uh, technology for privacy. Yeah. Oh yeah, so th- that's actually what I was going to ask. So it's like, are you also funding privacy tech? Not are you also funding other scaling solutions, but is it more like, are you looking to develop ZK very much narrowly in the scaling sort of dimension, or do you want to see like a flourishing of other use cases and stuff? We want to see like flourishing of other use cases for sure. We've been closely watching like some other really top tier teams doing this. Like Aztec has been doing some great work. Yeah. Um, so many other protocols, you know, have been sort of doing this. Like, um, for example, even the Hermes team has had been working on Iden three which is a very interesting, you know, sort of identity management solution. So, or CIRCOM, you know, the very, very yeah, popular and, language, and GSL. Yeah. So we want to build this entire ecosystem. It's not just about ZK rollups. Of course, you know, we also realize that in certain cases, privacy will be required. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at mass adoption, right, when you look at enterprise adoption, so when you work again backwards from there, you realize that you need to have, you need to have solutions for privacy. You need to have proper tooling. You need to have identity management. So many things need to be built. And, and this is kind of, like I said, you know, the answer to what, the other question which you wanted to ask, like what what else are we going to be spending money on is basically all of this, yeah. right? So ZK rollup is just the blockchain, right? You need to solve tooling, mm-hmm. right? And and what we're seeing, for example, today, if you look at uh, blockchain technology in general, like a proof of stake chain and what we're seeing on Ethereum, is that there is a huge amount of focus right now today, which is good for the ecosystem on tooling, right? Which is building, uh, sort of testing, no code environment. So you have to do all of that you know, for ZK as well. You need to grow the entire ecosystem, like just like how we've done for our proof of stake chain. So a lot of resources will go into that as well. A lot of teams we're going to incubate for this. So that is the other part of the story. Cool. So you've mentioned a few of the teams that have actually like been brought in through this funding. Um, I'll just go over them because I've, I've had a few of them on the show already, but it's Polygon <laughs> Maiden, Polygon Zero, yes, Polygon Nightfall, and then Polygon Hermes. Yes. Is there anything else like so... Each one of those so far are kind of like roll-up projects in a lot of ways. So this is the yes. scaling. But I, yeah, I think kind of moving to those next stages, like, I don't know if you can already reveal like business deals still in the works, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, maybe give us like any sort of hint of the kinds of projects that you're looking for. Also, because think of the the listeners to this episode, like mm-hmm. you might actually have some people who are building ZK things, it might mm-hmm. be interesting for them to know what you're funding next or sure, sure, going definitely. forward. Uh, like I said, so what we are really focusing on right now is definitely getting a lot, like talking to teams who can build great tooling to make it easier for developers, right? Sort of, you know, to sort of start building for ZK rollups, to start building for that technology. Now, of course, all of this will be within the, e, you know, within the EVM sort of environment, right? So there'll be minimal, let's say, work required, but 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 there will be a fair amount of tooling which would have to be built to, for example, let's say, manage the ecosystem, for example, you know, all the sequencers, et cetera. And, and if you break down, for example, ZK technology, right? And if you look at the various parts, for example, creating the roll-up, 
creating the proof like there are different at different stages there are different problems which need to be solved mm. so we're looking for teams who are working on these problems and if if they figured out some you know great great solutions to these problems like that's the approach we're taking so i can't i would not say that we are really like shopping around or looking for a team we're really looking for people who are problem solving this could be anyone frankly speaking it could yeah, be yeah. like a university student it could be like a top tier funded team but like that's really what we're looking for and currently our of course 100% focus right now is to get our zk roll up chains like you know production ready as soon as possible we are hoping to get test nets out in at least the next maybe 4 months 3 to 4 months and then um, you know start moving to production environments by the end of this year then by next year we'll be able to you know maybe look at other uh, proof generation uh, plugging in other different kinds of proof generation like plonky 2 and etc and how you could do that with evm so so that is a roadmap which we are working on right now uh, in terms of what lies beyond rollups right like what what happens then well, i i can't really say that so so i would say that there is no real concrete plan around that because the zk dream by itself has still not been realized right so mm. we still don't know what the zk path is going to look like what scalability will look like i think we would if once we go live with these solutions we will also begin to understand maybe some of the advantages and some of the limits of this technology and then know like you know what what we need to do next so that's kind of uh, where we are right now but right now like the 100 instead of trying to think too ahead that oh, okay now what no it's, it's really about let's first execute you know polygon has a reputation for shipping um and we want to ship first and and bring that to the community and then you know once we do that like i said you know we will we'll begin to learn more about the ecosystem and what we need to solve next nice One of the other interviews in this episode is actually about uh we're going to be talking about Gitcoin and this sort of Gitcoin ZK side round which you participated mm-hmm. in and um but you also are working with Gitcoin and here I was just curious about like grants and mm-hmm. and how we can get funding out into the ecosystem in different ways like less about maybe direct funding of you know developers or teams but rather mm-hmm. just like giving out grants so yeah what's your philosophy around that so definitely grants are of course a great way to you know to get like more teams to work on a certain problem right so by having a let's say a, a good gitcoin grant you have six or seven or maybe 10 plus teams around the world trying to solve a problem right and the chances of you solving that problem automatically increase mm. so just by having more people solve that problem grants obviously work really well now we we have had a grant program for a long period of time so if you look at what polygon has been doing we've been giving out gitcoin grants we've been doing hackathons for almost the last 3 4 years like so this is something which we do i think it's so important for you know uh, for all projects to have great grant programs so that we can grow that blockchain ecosystem it's still very small compared to you know like web2 and and some of the other tech out there so so this is very important now in terms of like how we want to engage going forward so of course you know one one part is that we come across teams you know who are doing great work and then you know we try and see if we can work with them the other part is of course like i said so within the zk space we are trying to identify problems right or within the blockchain space in general like where are some of the problems which the which need to be solved right and and there are multiple ways to solve it so one way is grants we've also created done something very interesting within polygon right so we've created this program called EIR which is an entrepreneur in residence program mm. and this is another way of solving problems right so think of it like problem solving so we have a very large ecosystem of 10000 d apps basically live on a platform so mm. having a ecosystem this big allows us to zoom out right and and from like a 60000 feet really look at what's missing right so what's missing on nft in gaming what's missing on the defi side and and what's missing on tooling what's missing on research and and by having an eir program we can find teams and give them focused problem statements to work on saying that guys work on solving this we know it's a problem for the ecosystem maybe you know it's not been noticed yet but we know because we are able to see the and visualize this and 
and and we will provide the funding and and whatever is required to do this so it's also grants but it's also programs like you know working with lots of incubators and accelerators but also having these eir type programs which you know allow us to attack like multiple problem statements in different ways so this is kind of how we want to go about doing ecosystem building which is enabling freelance developers but also in you know like highly motivated teams who want to maybe switch over from web 2 and work on focus problem statements very cool i love that idea of bringing over some web 2 folks into web 3 as yeah. well no, so this is the defi team actually <laughs> uh, hamza and i think sanket from the defi team came up with this concept a brilliant concept so yeah, yeah. yeah. cool Arjun, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us a little bit about Polygon ZK funding goals. And mm. uh yeah, good luck with the next period where I hope to see lots of funds going into your ecosystem to fund this kind of tooling. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to welcome back Alex to the show. Hey Alex, what's up? Hey, Anna, good to see you again. Uh last time you were on, you were actually on for the ZK Hack event back uh I guess just a few months ago. We did this wrap-up episode. But this time around, you're here to talk about ZK funding. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're working on? Uh yeah, thank you. So I'm the COO of Alio and I'm here because we're organizing this initiative across the industry called Seaprize which I'm really excited to uh hopefully tell you about. Very cool. So maybe let's start with the seed of this idea. Where does Seaprize where does the the idea of Seaprize come from? Yeah, so first off on the name, I guess the the name is sort of a riff on Xprize which, you know, is an initiative that's been around for a little while to it's a competition to encourage, you know, people to kind of solve these these generational problems with breakthrough solutions. So that's where the name came from, but the idea really started with this problem that we face at Alio where we have a system or or a platform for private applications and a blockchain is part of it. There's a proof of work algorithm that we use which relies upon generating uh zero knowledge proofs um or, or miners have to generate those zero knowledge proofs to participate in uh, in in the consensus. And you know, we just struggled to find a good baseline prover to uh you know to have people take off the shelf and use and you know and and as i talk to more and more folks across the industry i realize that you know there really isn't a great baseline of hardware except for uh, you know for a hardware accelerated prover or even verifier and so the idea was like hey you know this technology these ideas these algorithms these proof systems are are you know there's a lot of thought and work that's gone into them but there's been less work on the implementation in hardware and so the idea of the Z prize was really born out of this hey we all have the same problem if these provers or verifiers were more performant it would be able to it would enable these applications that we're all talking about and so why don't we band together and create a competition and trying to incentivize teams to build that and in this case it's very much focused on like hardware acceleration when you say that you're thinking you're kind of talking about like building something towards an asic i guess like a z a snark type asic yeah so so that's one goal mm-hmm. but there's potential utility in having you know an optimized verifier for just a commodity a commodity cpu and uh, you know if someone takes you know can build a faster verifier or an optimized verifier for even say like a phone you know that that could be really important and interesting and there's teams that in fact are really focused on that more so than they're than they're focused on you know on building an asic for any specific problem so that's why the structure of this competition is going to be one where we sort of define a number of categories and different teams will be able to sponsor prizes in whatever category that they they kind of think of and, and you know 
what one of the things that I'm focused on is trying to find the categories where there's as much overlap as possible so that the industry in general will benefit. And one thing I didn't mention before that I really do want to highlight here is that the output of all of this, all of the work that the competitors are going to do is going to be open sourced. So this is going to be a public good for the industry uh, moving forward. Maybe you can share a little bit, like who do you actually expect to be participating in this competition? So, so far you've kind of talked a little bit about the categories and like, so there's a few things and maybe we can dive into like each of those a little bit more in depth, but like, yeah, who, who's this for? Is this for the little, like the dev working in their basement, <laughs> the dev tinkering around, yeah. or is it for a company? Uh, kind of all of the above. So I, I think the, the initial idea is to find teams that are already working in the space mm-hmm. um, on like the problem of accelerating cryptography in hardware. And I think you've actually interviewed, you've interviewed a few of them. So, you know, teams like, you know, for example, like the supranational and chain reactions of the world, by the way, I don't know if, you know, these folks will actually end up competing, but that's like an archetype of potentially teams that might be interested to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of people maybe in academia who are researching kind of a specific aspect of, or, or, or researching hardware acceleration for cryptography that, you know, they might look at this and say, that's a pretty decent pot of prize money. Maybe I'll just work on this over the summer. And so I think we could see some of those people. And, uh, you know, and then I think there's a lot of people who work on these problems at say big hardware companies, uh, or, or big chip companies like Intel, maybe, and, uh, they, maybe they work on an adjacent problem, but, but hopefully like one of the goals of this is not just to get acceleration for these proof systems or acceleration for these algorithms. It's also to raise the profile of the industry writ large. So people who maybe hadn't been paying attention before, maybe look and say, Hey, wow, this is kind of a cool and interesting problem. I'd never really thought about it before, but you know, I have some of these skills that, that you would need to, you know, be successful. So let me throw my hat in the ring. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a big tent. Okay. So let's, let's kind of dive into the categories actually, maybe before we do that, are they fully defined? Cause I know this is a project, like this is a train that's running, but I don't know if it's fully <laughs> formed yet. Or is it, what is it? An airplane yeah. in the sky? But, anyway, building the airplane as it's flying or something. <laughs> you got it. That's right. That's definitely the name of the game right now. Okay. So what, what do the categories look like today? What are you, what are you planning? So first off, I, I have to say, you know, again, this is, you know, I'm, I'm at Alio, but I'm very proud that this is not an Alio owned initiative. This is a, this is an industry initiative. And uh, actually just at ETH Denver here recently, we had on about 30 people representing seven or eight different teams, you know, all kind of jamming on what this could look like. And so, uh, so first of all, I mean, what, what I'm about to say represents not just my thinking, but, you know, contributions from many, and I want to, and I'll acknowledge many of them, but also, you know, I, I think there's many more contributions that people will make. And we want to make sure that we, that we define this competition in a way that's specific enough to ensure that we get something that will benefit everybody, mm-hmm. but general enough to allow for creative solutions that maybe no one has seen before. That's really going to be the art here. And, and that's most of what's going to be the work over the next couple of months uh, before we announce the official start of the competition. So as it stands, uh, the idea, which again, represents the contributions of many folks, uh, is to separate these prizes out in three dimensions. So one is uh, first and most importantly, like what's the objective? Because we talk about accelerating snarks and what does that actually mean? I mean? You have to think about, are we going for latency? So like the fastest proof generation time, for example, like the fastest, the, the slowest or the, the quickest time to generate a single proof. Are we talking about throughput, the most proofs in a single time span? Mm. Or are we talking about efficiency, the cheapest 
proof generation, right? So there's like, you know, when you say accelerating, it's kind of vague. You have to define more specifically what's the goal that you want. And for different applications, you know, there'll be different things you care about. So that's kind of one dimension. Uh, the second, my initial idea was thinking about hardware platforms. Like, okay, you have a CPU, you have a GPU, you have an FPGA, and you know, there's probably not time to build an ASIC for this competition, but like you could separate it by that. But over the course of some conversations, I've kind of evolved from just being that specific to hardware platform and being, and maybe focusing more on like class of uh, prover or verifier. And by class, I mean, it's just, it's just a little bit of a higher level abstraction. And let me just define what we think those classes are. So one is a mobile user or a low power, a user of a low power device. So maybe there's a reason you would want to verify things, for example, in that context. The other is a, what we consider the browser class. So this is someone who maybe has a commodity laptop or a commodity desktop. And maybe you'd use either the onboard GPU built into like I say a Mac M1 or some other device that's built into, you know, for a computer that you built. And, and the idea would be that you would run this inside of a web browser. So you could, you know, interact with an application, click a button, and it creates a proof right there for you. So that's like that's so the second class is kind of as, as if you were a user. Mm -hmm. And then the third class is a server class where this is sort of more of the prover as a service model where someone sends some instructions out to you, you generate a proof for them, and then you return that. Mm. And in that class, you could think of, you know, maybe higher end specialized GPUs or even an FPGA could compete in the server class. That's, that's kind of how we think about the, it. We've evolved a little bit from like specific to hardware to like just more of a class. And that way, the kind of nice thing about that is you can say like, for, for the for the purposes of efficiency, say you can compare, hey, what's an FPGA versus a GPU, and and kind of really do an apples to apples comparison, find what hopefully is the best solution for a given application, and that's the third category or dimension that we're kind of exploring. Like, what's the application? And the application, I mean, this is like this dimension is really probably the largest, right? Because like, are we talking about initially the idea was to focus on the lower level mathematical primitives that kind of underlie many of these operations, like multiscalar multiplications. Uh, NTT, also known as FFT, fast Fourier transforms. So a lot of the proof systems kind of rely on these underlying operations. And that's honestly what a lot of the focus on hardware acceleration has been up to this point. But you could also define the application area in a little bit of a higher level, say like computing a Merkle path, right? Mm. Within a Merkle tree and make that like that specifically what you, what you define. And the advantage of doing a higher level definition for the problem is that you enable people to innovate at both the hardware level and honestly at the algorithm level where you could say, Hey, you know, this is sort of how people have done this before, but if I maybe think of this new trick, you know, maybe we can get some faster performance out of it. So those are the three dimensions that we're thinking of currently. How does this actually run? Like what's the time frame that you have in mind? Maybe you don't want to say a date yet because I know it's <laughs> potentially still in flux, but like, yeah, no, it's okay. give us a sense for like, how long do you expect people to actually compete on these challenges? Yeah. So uh, we want to give people enough time to build a submission that will beat the benchmarks that we're going to lay out for them and to hopefully move again, the baseline of the industry up by what you know we, we hope is a significant margin. So 10 to 14 weeks is honestly the time frame we're thinking of here. Mm -hmm. Now that... For some applications, maybe too long. For others, it may be too short. But I think for the majority of the stuff that we're talking about with the kind of expertise and time and effort that it will require, we, you know, from talking to many people, that's sort of what we've converged upon. But hopefully, possibly, I guess in you know, my wildest dreams, potentially this is something that maybe will live on beyond a single competition. And, you know, you can have maybe a yearly event or maybe a, you know, as this 
evolves, maybe there'll be a competition that you know is longer in time frame or is consists of multiple phases. So, uh, but this initial competition we're thinking of lasting between ten to fourteen weeks. And you kind of mentioned the three types of challenges, but are there going to be three competitions, or are there multiple within each type? Kind of. So back to the building the plane as it's flying kind of thing. Yeah. So I think this is actually maybe maybe it's important to say what's going to happen right from this point from when we're recording this interview to when we start the competition as currently contemplated sometime in the middle of April. What's going to happen now is getting together a committee of people from the industry, you know, organizations that have already committed to supporting this effort. At which point, you know, at, right now we're around I think thirty different organizations um, who've who've committed in some way, mm-hmm. and we're going to from them choose a committee balanced between academics and industry practitioners um, from different perspectives, hardware, algorithms, um, zero knowledge. And we're going to try and basically rigorously answer all of these questions and define in very specific, very specifically what the competition looks like, what the benchmarks are, are the competitors need to beat, and then figure out, okay, what prizes to allocate, how to allocate the prizes. Is there a first, second, third, is there a winner take all? So these are all questions mm-hmm. that, that I get to help <laughs> lead people in answering you know, and, and we collectively as a group are going to, to kind of structure and figure out in a way that maximizes hopefully the success of the effort. I think a question here is like, why would people participate? So you'd sort of mentioned the types of people who would participate, but like, wouldn't they keep a lot of this info to themselves? Like, I mean, obviously there's a cash prize, but what are you thinking could really encourage people to, to share this stuff? Yeah, I think I just want to emphasize that I don't think the objective of this is to get the best prover for X. Because again, all of us, you know, and Alio maybe most specifically has a protocol that if you apply this knowledge, you could profit as a miner potentially, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's unrealistic to expect the people who have this knowledge and would be that successful to want to share it all with their potential competitors. But I do think, and I believe that the prizes that, you know, the industry will be sponsoring will be enough to, I think, get a better baseline than what currently exists. And I think so much has been built upon open source foundations. Take Libsnark, for example. Like Libsnark is a open source public good software library that, that people use. Arcworks, very much the same thing. Like these are foundations that people can use and build upon. And I'm hopeful that this is the same thing, but for uh, kind of a category of, like in a more applied way for like a category of, you know, hardware devices or for, you know, user classes that people can then take and, and put together as building blocks. And then build their own things. Um, and the reality is, I don't even think it makes sense to try and optimize super far down a path for any one proof system today. I mean, remember, like a lot of these proof systems, you know, the authors of which you've interviewed on this show didn't exist five years ago. And five years from now, we could very well have all moved on from all of the stuff we're talking about. So, you know, I think that's sort of why I view this as an incremental iterative effort. And I view this as like, let's let's establish and then try and move the baseline up. There's always going to be, be competitors who are going to be 10x better than the open source baseline. But as long as that mm. open source baseline keeps moving up, I think we as an industry stand uh, the best chance of, of being able to evolve faster and faster and make these applications practical that people, you know, that people talk about. And possibly more decentralized because then more people can actually find it and use it. Exactly. We're all about you know, this, this principle of decentralization, you know, is what I think really defines this industry. And so hopefully we can, we can maintain that as well. Cool. Where should people find out about it actually? Yeah. So we have a landing page with all the information you need. Awesome. So uh, I'll, I'll share that with you in the show notes at zprize.org. So people can go there, check it out, sign up for a mailer to kind of get updates. And we're going to be, you know, as more details about this competition get solidified, you can kind of go there. I encourage you to go there and check back in and, 
you know, and see, see what new stuff there is. Again, we'll, we'll also put out an announcement about when the competition will officially start. And again, we're like, I think for now, the main thing that I'm really excited about is just, you know, you go to the landing page and you'll see the number of teams that have already signed up to support this in some way. And it's great. I mean, it's, it really does, I think, represent the vast majority of this industry. And it's great to be collaborating as a community for something that like this, that affects all of us. You know, I think it's too easy for any one of us to get focused on the specific problem that we're working on. And it's, it's easy to forget that we are part of this broader community working on this technology that's truly uh, groundbreaking. Totally. And I should say a little caveat, we like Zero Knowledge Validator is part of that yes. initial group. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess um, I can name I can name a couple if, if people are interested. So if the Ethereum Foundation, Protocol Labs, Mina Foundation, Aztec, Zero Knowledge Validator, as you mentioned, um, so that's several of the teams. There's a, I, I'm not going to be exhaustive because there are many, but I'll just mention those, those few, of course, Alio is going to, is part of this effort. We've got some of the other, other folks from the kind of the venture side, um, galaxy digital Bain capital, variant capital and, uh, and some others. And again, the full list is on the, the landing page, but, uh, I feel pretty good that it represents, um, kind of the full spectrum of stakeholders within the industry. And of course, Anna, very excited to be working with you on this, uh, as well yeah. as your knowledge validator. <laughs> very cool. Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me. This was great. So now I'm here with Alistair Stewart, who is the lead scientist and research team lead at the Web3 Foundation. Welcome, Alistair. Hi, Anna. So, Al, you've been on the show before, but in the past, it was mostly about the research you were doing. This time around, we're going to be talking about an initiative happening uh, focused more on funding. So there's a ZK component to the Polkadot Pioneers Prize that I just recently heard about and thought it would be great to include in this episode all about ZK funding. Why don't we kind of start from the top of that? What is the Polkadot Pioneers Prize? What's the point of this? What is it? So it is a sort of XPRIZE-like initiative in theory. Uh, We've been given a million dots by the Treasury to give out to teams that are are doing cool stuff for, for, for Polkadot. And the plan is to put a large part of it, like the, the vast majority, towards zero knowledge stuff. Cool. So tell me how, like, how does the treasury funding in all of this work? So there's a polka dot treasury, a place which is kind of accumulating funds. But yeah, kind of who decides how this is distributed, and like, a, a kind of where did the polka dot pioneers prize initiative even come from? Right. So the treasury sort of. It's spending is controlled by on-chain governance, mm-hmm. in particular here, the, the Polkadot Council. So the money from the treasury comes from inflation, from transaction fees and things. And we, we have this sort of mechanism called a bounty, whereby the treasury can uh, decide it's going to spend the money on something. So, so we have a vote. If people put a proposal, we put a vote saying we put this much money in, in the bounty, uh, and then we assign a creator to decide how the money is going to be spent. Is the Polkadot Pioneers Prize one large bounty, or are there sub-bounties within that kind of initiative? So it, it's structured as one large bounty, but we won't give it out all at once, uh, not least because we're, we're giving it out for two specific reasons, one of, one of them, which is the, uh, the ZK part, and the other mm. is, is the Polkadot infrastructure for people. For instance, uh, if a team were to, develop, were to implement the Polkadot node in, a, in another language, which is a, a tough project, We'd be paying them. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about the ZK part of the Polkadot Pioneer Prize. You sort of mentioned that it's going to be 
a large part of it. So you said one million dots. So I'm assuming like, you know, a large, you know, maybe more than 500,000 dots would be allocated towards the ZK funding. What is your idea for like how this would actually happen? Like, how are you actually going to give this out? Like what and what are you looking for? Right. And, and both of these are pretty tough because it's, it's early questions to answer because it's kind of early on. Okay. Uh, we've had we've had quite a lot of discussion, but it, it's still not so clear to even to us who are responsible for the creators who are responsible for handing out the money, uh, how this thing <laughs> is going to is going to play out. Um, but we, we have a list of things we're looking for. Mm-hmm. The, the things we 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 like to to see, the usual sort of zero knowledge transactions for money, general purpose zero knowledge. The stuff you put in with smart contracts, or uh, sort of more interesting things in the identity direction and the in the games direction. That this, yeah, anything that's interesting and substantial enough could be eligible. And so far, I mean, what you just described sounded very much like applications using zero knowledge. But are you also looking for any specific tooling? Are there any kind of any libraries or anything that you want to potentially support or yeah expand on with this? Um, yeah, it's, indeed, we're kind of looking for a, a complete thing, so an application, although if that's just showing off uh, something more fundamental, then it probably also has a good chance. Okay. But there are libraries, and you can probably already use them right now. So, for instance, Arcwork, you could compile to Rust, and just you can put that in a substrate chain. And as, as sort of like Jeff was talking about yesterday, I don't know if that performs so well, but it's good enough, you can go and deploy something. Yeah. So by the way, by yesterday, so we're recording this a day after the Zero Knowledge Validator did an event on like with focused on Polkadot. And there we learned that ArcWorks, it, there's basically a project to bring ArcWorks to Substrate in a way, or like to connect those two things. Yeah, you can use it right now. Uh, and in fact, uh, a team, Pateract, did some tests for, for, for using it that, that they wanted to to use ArcWorks to do the calls you can do with Ethereum in the EVM, like just mm-hmm. EVM pre-compiles for, for BLS, well, in particular sort of for BN254 right now. Uh, and they wanted to, another sort of elliptic curve thing, so they wanted to to get that into Inc, the smart contract language, which, which uh, sort of Rust-like smart contract language on, on Substrate that compiles to WASM. And they successfully got that working and found that it actually wasn't terribly slow. Cool. But would would a project like that be a good candidate for this bounty? Like actually doing the work that Patract had done? No, because they, they, you know, their, their thing didn't really <laughs> uh, take that long. That was the point. Okay. Uh, so you need, what well, you're looking for, like something much, much more complete. You want an application using ZK. But I have a question here. Does it have to be on Polkadot? Or is this like, would you be up for funding fundamental ZK research? Like if, if it was like building, an, like instead of porting ArcWorks, but if you were building like a new DSL for something new, would you be up for funding that, you think? Not really, unless they were targeting Polkadot, yeah. And oh, okay, it yes, is still exactly. Polkadot focused. But Got I it. mean, if, if you did <laughs> have a DSL and then have that on, on, on Substrate, then, you know, that, that's definitely a good candidate. Okay. Uh, and, and we would be very interested in new projects, right? I, I mean, I'm sure some team could support uh, one of the guys who are doing stuff for Ethereum uh, to poke it up with no problem, but if they're not going to maintain it, it's really a bad choice for a price. Mm-hmm. 
So you would be looking for like a team that's building itself around the concept of zero knowledge that would potentially be able to build within the Polkadot ecosystem, I guess. But like it should have ZK at its core. Exactly. Yes. Okay. What? So you sort of mentioned a few of these ideas that you were like that identity games. How do you actually think about that? Like what? Maybe we can flesh that out a little. And I realize, Al, this is very early on in the <laughs> development of this funding project, but I think it is still cool to include here. So, I mean, yeah, we, we, we thought about each of these possible applications and the things we'd really like to see done mm -hmm. uh, that maybe people haven't done on, on other ecosystems yet or have done, uh, but not ideally. I mean, so for instance, with games, there's, there's several games on Ethereum, but we should already be a lot more scalable, a lot cheaper in terms of transaction fees than Ethereum. So there's things you can, uh, and not to mention, uh, we could use different technology. Uh, you're very restricted in what you can do efficiently on Ethereum. Uh, and so we, we, we just think we can do more. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit more about the curation part? So you mentioned that there's a portion of this that is curated. But yeah, how does that work? Who are the curators? What are you deciding on? So on, on chain, the, the, there's a curator account. Now that is controlled by a multi-sig in which the five, five people control. Uh, I'm one of them. There's Alex from the Web3 Foundation grants. There's Raul, who's council member and, and doing governance things for parity. There's uh, Soto, who works for uh, Astar, and Brian, who uh, from Akala. Cool. And uh, we will collectively, in the end, have to do something on chain to spend this money. So how does it work? Like, what is the criteria? Like, what would happen? Someone goes through an application process, they send you, and then you decide kind of how it gets allocated? Pioneersprize.polkadot.network. Okay. There is an email, maybe polkadotpioneersprize.parity.io. <laughs> at parity.io, definitely something at parity.io. Okay. okay. I guess you can find it on the website. Yes. Uh, and, and I know the email uh, forwards to all us curators. Okay. The, the, the process, it's still a bit unclear. Uh, maybe people from Parity will be involved, but the ultimate decision on chain definitely re uh, rests with, with the curators. Okay. Is this only for technical projects or would like community projects also be kind of eligible? So at its core, I think this, this is, this is a, a technical price. We want to see like actual code on substrate that does cool stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, if, if projects have community, have a well-designed idea, then this is uh, a bonus. Okay, got it. Cool, Al. So listen, thanks for coming on the show and sharing with us a little bit about the Polkadot Pioneers Prize and the ZK portion of it focused on funding ZK Tech. Okay, thank you. So this concludes the episode on ZK funding. I know that there are actually a number of other funding bodies out there, grants programs. A lot of the ZK projects are running their own grants programs, but um, this is just a small selection that I chose for this particular episode. So I hope you got something out of it. And I do want to say thank you to the podcast producer, Tanya, the podcast editor, Henrik, and to our listeners. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>